Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about the open guard in relation to combat. Last night, I watched Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, and I had a blast watching that bracket unfold. There were some epic performances and a lot of lessons to be learned. In today's episode, I want to talk about some of those lessons, so let's get right into it. The first talking point has to be Roberto Jimenez. Roberto is the man. He looked absolutely incredible. He had a flawless run last night, four for four. I think he was on the mat for less than 10 minutes, and he just looked head and shoulders better than his competitors. When I saw Roberto was entered into this bracket, I figured he was the heavy favorite. I told a couple of people that theoretically <laughs> I'd be willing to bet up to $1,000 that Roberto would win. And he, man, he just showed out. And I really think he's what CJJ has been missing. Combat Jiu-Jitsu has been missing a face, a competitor that takes over that everybody wants to watch compete. EBI had that. In the beginning, it was Gio Martinez, Eddie Cummings, and Gary Tonin. But towards the end, it was Craig Jones and Gordon Ryan. Everybody wanted to watch those guys. And Gordon was really carrying EBI. Anytime Gordon was competing, everybody was tuning in and watching. But CJJ hasn't had that. They haven't had a competitor that everyone gets excited about. But I really think Roberto is that guy. His jiu-jitsu is perfect for combat situations. He is super exciting. His transitions are flawless. He's willing to try unorthodox techniques, but he's got simple, beautiful jiu-jitsu as well. He just, man, I want to see him take over. I want to see him become the champion of multiple weight classes, and I want to see him defend his title. Now, CJJ has had a couple of other impressive performances, most notably, in my opinion, Thor. John Blank had a performance in one of the early CJJs where he looked amazing. He went four for four with submissions, dominated every single guy, but he never came back. We didn't get to see him defend his title, and so everyone's kind of forgot about him. But Roberto is fresh on everyone's mind. There's a 185-pound division coming up. I think Roberto has to be in it. I think if he goes out there and does the same thing again, I think he becomes a huge star. And I think that CJJ will really take off if a guy like Roberto can kind of carry it. There just isn't an athlete right now, again, that I'm excited about. You know, Wagner was kind of exciting, but Roberto did just trumps everything Wagner ever did in CJJ. I love that Roberto goes out there and hunts for the submissions, and I love that he does it without, you know, doing, um, you know, like leg locks and like playing like crazy open guards. Like, no, he used wrestling, and then he used his closed guard or the back to submit. And I think in combat situations, that's what we all need to be focusing on. We all need to be focusing on simple jujitsu that is effective. That leads to the submission. We need to get our opponents out of there without getting hit. And Roberto just he didn't get hit. One of the other things I love about Roberto is how he's handled the leg lock evolution. Because Roberto's big hole used to be leg locks. I've seen multiple guys submit him. And guys that honestly aren't as good as him. I mean, Quentin Rosenzweig, I love Quentin. He's amazing. And he tapped Roberto pretty easily a couple of years ago at the on invitational hit him with a really slick reverse entry and heel hooked him a couple of other guys have put Roberto out of there pretty quickly 
I've already talked about Thor, what he did in CJJ, but he also beat Roberto at an ADCC uh, trials. Same thing, tapped him in like 45, 50 seconds. We've seen Craig tap Roberto, but Roberto hasn't gone down the dark path. He hasn't abandoned what he does to learn leg locks. And sometimes you'll see guys will just, they'll start learning leg locks and then they'll start pulling guard and they'll start attacking legs or start looking to counter attack. But what Roberto has done is he's figured out how to defend them he looks to take the back off of Barambolos or to use the Barambolo to take the back off of leg lock attempts. But his jujitsu is still beautiful, elegant, and simple. He does a lot of really old school techniques against everybody. And he just is the perfect blend of old school and new school. So I really hope, again, we get to see a lot more of Roberto. And it sounds like he's interested in becoming the face of CJJ. He said that he wants to compete in this format. I know I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he has MMA aspirations. And I think it'd be a great idea if he just took the next two years to dominate this rule format. He said at the end that he was willing to compete at anywhere from 170 to 185 to even 205 pounds. And I would just, again, love to see him become the champion of multiple weight classes and especially to come back and defend those. We need to see guys come back and defend that are exciting and fun to watch. Now, the second big talking point, and I think this is the big lesson I learned, was really watching Nick Ronan, and especially the way he was playing the open guard. Now, Nick Ronan was the second seed. So generally what Eddie does is he has a top two seeds. They're in the top of the left-hand bracket and the top of the right-hand bracket. Roberto was rightfully so the number one seed, but the number two seed was Nick Ronan. And Nick Ronan was coming in off of some impressive performances. Nick has faced a who's who. He's looked amazing in different performances, and he represents the Donahue Death Squad. Now, while Nick, I mean, I say he represents the Donahue Death Squad, he doesn't live in Puerto Rico, so he's still up in New York under Matt Serra. He's got close ties to those guys, but I'm not quite sure he represents the DDS anymore. Um, you know, he's not to the level of representing them like a guy like Nicky Ryan or Ethan Krillinston is. But regardless, he's a beast, man. I, I'm a big fan of Nick Ronan. I've seen him have some incredible performances. He has beautiful jujitsu, beautiful, um, you know, leg entries, awesome back taker. And I figured he versus Nathan Orchard was a guarantee for the semifinals. And I thought that was going to be an absolute war. Well, I was completely wrong. Man, Nick Ronan struggled in this rule set, and a lot of it was due to the way he was playing open guard. So I know a lot of the DDS guys and a lot of the, that Henzo Gracie crew has been working on and they're wrestling for ADCC, but it just didn't look like Nick was comfortable enough yet to shoot on his opponent. Now, his opponent had just won the, or he was the winner of the CJJ qualifiers in Mexico. So he was a Mexican jiu-jitsu player and he showed beautiful jiu-jitsu. He looked awesome during the qualifiers, and, but I was expecting him to get run through if I'm being honest. I thought Nick was going to get onto a leg or use um, you know, his guard to get to the top position. He was going to pass and he was going to strangle this gentleman. But that's not what happened at all. Nick struggled to get the fight to the ground, so he ended up pulling guard. But when he pulled guard, he really struggled in getting any type of clinch. He couldn't use the grips that he normally used. And any time he tried to play his sit-up guard or his shin-to-shin guard, he would just get slapped. And it was really difficult to watch because I know how good he is, but 
he was really struggling and making some pretty, pretty bad mistakes, especially for a guy at his level. He just kept sitting up into strikes. And you could tell that he was really starting to get frustrated and he started to get a little bit tired. And I really believe towards the end, he was going to get knocked out. He had taken some really hard shots and he just kept sitting up into them. He would post his hand back, sit up, and look to reach out with either his left or his right hand to try and get control behind the knee so he could look to start off-balancing and start elevating into the leg game. But his opponent just kept keeping good distance management, not allowing Nick to set up any meaningful grips, and any time that he sat up, he would just smack the crap out of him. Now, Nick tried to stand up a couple of times, but each time he stood up, he just couldn't get any wrestling going. And so he was ending up in this kind of purgatory situation where he couldn't progress. He couldn't get to any of his spots, and it really exposed him. And it really, I think, exposed some of the weaknesses of having that type of game, where if you're looking to go into a combat situation and your main play is to pull guard and look to make things happen off of a seated guard or especially a seated guard. Like if you're looking to make things happen off of your seated guard, you are going to get rocked and you're going to get beat by somebody that probably shouldn't beat you because I still don't think that his opponent should have beaten him. Just in the sense that like, I know how good Nick is. Nick is one of the best black belts in the world. But in that rule set, he got exposed and his weaknesses were very evident. And so if you're going to play guard, you need to play it off of your back where you're using your legs to keep distance management. Now, what's really difficult in CJJ is that when you're playing flat on your back, you can't use your legs to strike, at least like in an MMA format. You can use up kicks, you can kick to the knee, you can use stuff like that to try and damage and hurt your opponent. But in CJJ, you can't. And so pulling guard is a terrible strategy unless you pull to the closed guard. And we saw the closed guard work beautifully multiple times. Roberto would look to use his wrestling, but if his wrestling wasn't working or it felt like he could get a deep angle off of a guard jump, he would do it. And he looked, again, his guard might be the best in the world. And so you can pull guard in combat situations. You just can't pull without grips and you can't sit up. You know, and especially in CJJ, you really need to think about playing or like how you're going to get to a clinch or force a guy into your half or closed. Because I've seen it so many times now. Guys either try and play, uh, most guys generally try and play a flat back um, open guard, which at least limits them from getting hit too hard. But if you try and play sit up, I mean, Nick's probably the first guy I saw trying to play sit up guard. And I was shocked that he kept with that strategy. I mean, I, f I figured after a few times of getting hit really hard, he would look to just either play flat on his back or go back to standing. I thought it was strange that Nick didn't allow that one-minute rule to take place because his opponent wasn't trying to take him down. His opponent was doing a good job, again, just not allowing Nick to get any grips that Nick wanted to get. But... He could have waited for that minute timer because in CJJ, there's you have one minute to get the fight to the ground. And if neither of you do anything to get the fight to the ground, then 
they call a, uh, it's not a penalty, they just get, they have a get down rule where one person plays butterfly guard with double underhooks and the other is on top. And I really think Nick should have forced that to happen more often. So then at least he could have started in double underhooks from his butterfly guard. And that's where he wanted to be anyways, is playing some type of butterfly so he could elevate and look to get to legs. Or at least he'd have upper body grips that maybe he could use to sweep or use to set up some type of back take. Or even in a better case scenario, maybe he gets to start in the top position and he's now passing his opponent's butter guard or butterfly guard. And I just I think that was a huge, huge, huge mistake. And it's something in a uh, or so I should say it's a lesson that we all should learn. Sit up guard does not exist in combat. If you find yourself in a CJJ situation. If you're playing flat on your back, you can't use your legs to kick and hurt your opponent. And so it's best to just make sure you're either jumping guard and making sure you're getting into a deep closed guard like Roberto did, or do some of the things that Derek Rayfield did. I mean, going back and watching and studying the closed guard or the guard in CJJ is very important if you're interested in getting that rule set. And Roberto, Ben Eddy, and um, you know Derek Rayfield are, are three guys that you really need to watch, especially like Roberto plays a much different style than the other two. Um, but those Tenth Planet guys also have a super effective style, and we saw Derek Rayfield hit two beautiful dead orchards in his first two matches, and he really showed that again the rubber guard is king when there are strikes. Don't play sit-up guard. Just please don't play sit-up guard or you're going to be getting knocked out. But I honestly thought Nick was, you know, if that match was going to go on another minute or two, he was going to, the match was going to get stopped due to strikes. Now, the last thing that I really want to talk about is the strikes from stalling positions. And it was really interesting to watch guys like, you watch a guy like Jay-Z Calvaconti. So Jay-Z, he's fought, a million times like he has a very long history in MMA like he was he fought in a bunch of different promotions he's a you know not a huge name but he's definitely somebody that a lot of fight fans know now he's really transitioned the past couple of years to becoming a professional jiu-jitsu guy so he's doing a lot of sub only events he's doing a lot of IBJJF and usually I cannot stand watching Jay-Z compete he uses superior wrestling and superior top gain to get into positions that are advantageous towards him, but he really doesn't progress towards getting the finish a lot of the times. A lot of his matches kind of end up being pretty boring. He just he gets to a lot of positions. He shuts down his opponent, but he doesn't do a lot to try and finish the fight. So he can be boring to watch, especially in sub-only rule sets. But his game was perfect for CJJ because he would get to those same spots, right? Maybe it's the top of half guard or the top of butterfly guard. And normally he just does a lot of anti-jujitsu, you know. He does a lot of uh, things to negate what his opponent is trying to do. But in the CJJ format, he used strikes. And in his first match, he looked absolutely incredible. And I really loved watching him compete. And I think he's a guy that, really showcases that there is a place for really like looking to train kind of anti-jujitsu in the sense that you're trying to negate what your opponent's trying to do, the grips he's trying to get, you're trying to get on top, you're trying to stay on top, you're trying to stay in those great positions. And in CJJ, you can really, if you master that in like other parts of jujitsu, like other formats of jujitsu, you can come in and really have a lot of success because you're going to be able to strike at will from those positions where normally you're not doing much except negating. 
But now you can start being offensive, and, and he's his ground and pound looked the be- to be the best ground and pound of anyone in this CJJ bracket. And he had the most combat experience. I mean, he's had 30, 40-plus fights, so he's a veteran. He's an OG in the MMA game. So it was really cool to watch that, and I, I just I really think it's important if you're a combat athlete that you do train a little bit of that negating of jiu-jitsu where you're getting into spots on top position, and you're not looking to pass. You're not looking to you know, submit. You're looking to just stay on top. You're looking to avoid your partner's grips and you're looking to stop any type of kazushi from happening. And then you start really practicing how to strike from there. And if you can do that, you're going to have a lot of success in combat formats. And I said that that was going to be the last thing I talked about, but there is one more technique that I really want to highlight and and talk about with you guys, and that is the knee bar. We saw a couple of beautiful knee bars, one from Nathan Orchard and one from, I believe his name is Nick Stoley. I know his last name is Stoley, but he is an AOJ, Hoffa Mendez, and Guy Mendez black belt. I thought he looked awesome. My favorite match of the night was actually him versus Nathan Orchard. That was a match that I got really excited for after watching Stoley in his first round. But they both performed two beautiful knee bars, and they both um, performed them really similarly. They both were very like shotgun-type knee bars. If you think about a shotgun arm bar, where you're grabbing your hand underneath the elbow and you're using that to pull and you're pinching your knees. Super brutal armbar. Well, they did a very similar thing with the knee bar where they grabbed the knee. So like their opponent was losing, or I said should say escaping their knee line. And they used their arm to pull the knee back in. But instead of trying to go into a heel hook and have to battle the knee line and, you know, but their opponent trying to rotate out and everything, they pulled them right into a deep knee bar. And the knee bar ended up, I believe Nathan's, he still kind of had the shotgun grip. But Stoli, he ended up passing it underneath his armpit, and, and both, though, finished beautiful knee bars. And it's definitely a technique I'm going to go back, watch, and try and uh, add to my own game because there's definitely times guys kind of hang out in that spot where their knee line is cleared, but they, you know, their mind's thinking heel hooks. And so they're thinking about slipping their heel, or if you start going attacking their legs, they're looking to rotate out or hide their heel. But these guys both put in super sneaky knee bars, and I think there's a lot of opportunities to tap guys that are tough to tap with heel hooks especially uh, with this knee bar variation. So if you didn't watch it, try and look free trial on ufc fight pass you can study for a couple of hours there's definitely matches worth studying particularly roberto's performances uh performance you got Derek rayfield had two beautiful dead orchards nathan orchard he always brings it he unfortunately finished second place again that's his third cjj runner up but he looked amazing and that knee bar that he hit on stoli so it was cool because stoli hit that pretty much the same knee bar variation in an earlier match and then that same technique was used on him by Nathan Orchard but I would definitely go and check out those knee bars especially if you're a leg lock guy because I really think those knee bars are very very cool and really slick and going to catch your opponents off guard and you're going to get some really really uh, really really slick taps off of that technique. Until next time, guys, you guys know how much I appreciate you. I hope you guys have an awesome week. Peace.